and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after a <laughs> a well. Let's just talk about the sort of win that we had at Sheffield United. Um, five points clear, seven games gone, seven wins down, another thirty-one to go, and to discuss that and all of the surrounding um, discussion points. I have Dave Cowan out in Brazil, Dave. How was the evening, sir? Yes, I, I'm grand. Just back from the beach, lovely day, blah blah blah. But it was different yesterday. Well, I, I can't, I can't wait to sort of hear what everybody thinks about it. It was a different day. Yes, it was. It was, and those days will come, and those not, days not, will not go. Not your typical day what... at the Liverpool office, let's say. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Those days will come and go. It just depends what you what you finish today with is the important. Um, and also points. tonight, I've got uh, I've got a, a guest on um, from Buffalo, New York tonight. Um, Stephen Brandt. Stephen, how are you doing, Stephen, sir? Oh, not bad, not bad. It's actually it's actually good to be talking about teams that are actually winning and not playing against cheaters in Boston. But that's okay. Yes, we we generally don't recognize that sport over here, so. Which is smart. Which is smart with you guys. So yeah, it's it's just it's just far too time consuming, if nothing else. Uh, so yeah, and and finally, I have uh, the long and anticipated return of Umar Naz in London. <laughs> drum roll. <laughs> right, it's not that much anticipated, I'm sure. Um, it depends yeah. who you speak to now. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you, Dave. <laughs> well, um, yes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, and your huge bit, Twitter following. You're loyal. Oh, You're very no. true and loyal. <laughs> Honestly, really not at all. They're a bunch of bastards, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> charming, charming. <laughs> All right, so I expect Zoom's Twitter following to plummet post blog. Um, <laughs> it always so, does anyway. I wouldn't worry about that. Well, keep an eye on that if you're interested. Uh-oh. All right, so Sheffield United, uh, Bramall Lane. Um, surprisingly, this is the first time in the Premier League year that we've actually ever won at Bramall Lane, um, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, that's the, the first win in seven visits there, Dave, which, you know... Watching the game and thinking back to the, the previous matches that we've had there, you can kind of see why. And it was tough. It was it was hard. And, and they were a extremely an extremely interesting side to, to kind of watch with their 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 overlapping centre halves, particularly the the lad Stevens on the left hand side. Trinity Norwood. Uh, <laughs> hey. After his recent um, retirement from international football at the age of 28, but again, you can see why I'm so frustrated about it. Yeah, um, had a great had a great game, and and you know they're they're direct and they play with they play through the middle as well. They try to get you down the sides, but they can play through the middle with with purpose and 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 they're direct and and you know they made it really really hard for us. Dave, I think you know you're struggling to find. It's just a fucking horrible experience. That's that's the way I would describe that game. It was horrible to watch. It was horrible to experience. It had you worried. You know, we we missed chances that you know Manny Salah especially would have buried in any other day, and we, we, we missed about four or five of those. And you think you're oh shit, it's just 
you know, it's going to be one of those days. And, 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 you know, to add into that, they're playing out of their skin. Like, no two ways about it. Let's not take anything away from it here. Sheffield United, we weren't at our greatest, but fucking hell, they were. And, and, they, and they weren't afraid of us, and they brought the game to us. And even when they went behind, they brought the game to us, and they kept the game plan going. And totally, as you say, totally organized, can get at you in a number of ways, through, through the center, down the sides. They, they watched and played our fullbacks very well. They exploited that space very, very well on a number of occasions. Fucking Joel Maddup found himself fucking one-on-one number of times. Um, luckily, got away with it. They, they caused us problems that we don't normally see. Um, and, and as I say, total and utter credit to them. Yes, we were not at our, our, our swashbuckling best. But I, I tell you what, that's a team there, Dave, that if they play like that the rest of the season, could, could end up mid-table, never mind just surviving. Um, bravery, courage, can't, can't say enough. The goal. What can we say about the goal? Like you just feel for it because the keeper Henderson had a fucking brilliant game. I don't feel anything for him. gratitude. Common habit for him, and we, we did the same thing um, against MK Dons midweek, and uh, took that. You know, I think what you know. I don't like to see a goalkeeper do that. <laughs> well, maybe Hugo Lloris was quite funny yesterday, I must admit. Uh, I found that a hell of a lot more funny than I found there. But just because the lad was having a good game, you know what I mean? And as I say, the kid Henderson, from what I've read and what I've heard about him, seemed to set himself very high standards. So, I, you know, I don't like to see somebody's confidence go like that. But he played well afterwards. We needed it. Sadly, we needed a slice of luck. But uh, as we're told, as we used to be told, it used to be rammed down our throats in the 90s. This is what champions do. You make your own luck during a season. You know what I mean? I'm not, I truly believe that. An analogy might be, you know, we still got a lovely shiny red Ferrari. And it's shiny and red and beautiful, but it's timing belts just a little bit out at the minute, Dave, I think. It's the best way I can describe it. And, you know, you know that it's only a minor adjustment to, to achieve perfection again. And and that will come in, in, in the weeks that come here, coming up. And, I don't see any reason to panic. I'm not worried by it. Uh, the three points are in the bank. We had to fight tooth and nail for them. Probably one of the hardest games. Well, probably the hardest three points we'll have fought for. And the, and the week before as well. It's you know it's just two weeks in a row that we've, we've dug deep and fought hard for two points or for three points. Yeah, absolutely. And the bottom line is, Dave, that you you know you don't win sixteen games in a row without getting results like that and like against Chelsea. No, it's not may, it's, possible. In any sport, Dave, you make your own luck. And you will get your luck as the seasons go. And you know there was a penalty that we—a blatant penalty—if you—if you—if you follow the rules of VAR that we didn't get. So swings and roundabouts for me. Yeah, I I, I agree, and and I think it was Jack Nicholas said a, a long time ago. Um, you know, the the harder I practice, the the luckier I seem to get. Is he a Liverpool and, fan? Well. Maybe he is now, who knows? So yes, to the the greatest American golfer, and if not the greatest golfer of all time, that brings us nicely to you, Stephen. And we've discussed and we we talked pre-pod about how impressed we were with Sheffield United and how, you know, innovative the the manager is. And it's weird because you hear him talk and you see him on the touchline and he he doesn't appear like an innovative manager, you know? He doesn't appear, he, he appears more like a, a, a Pulis Hodgson Warnock type manager in the stereotypical sense, but boxing coach um, was is what I would describe to you. <laughs> well, quite possibly, but um, you know they played some really good stuff. They made it difficult for us. However, on another day, you know 
we have we have three like glaring glaring opportunities in that game. Mane's Mane's one from Van Dijk's through ball over the top, um, where he he almost takes it like he thinks he's offside, where he just slices it into the stand and. Then the one where he where he hits the post where Firmino maybe should shoot, but to be honest, Mane should still score. And it, for me, that extra pass always looks better as long as it goes in the net. And then Salah's second half. So, you know, realistically you could be walking away there 4 0. Is this is this a blip for the for the for the two wide guys and, and Firmino maybe wasn't that his best? Or is this is this a hangover from the additional games they've had to play with the international break and things like that? Well, you know, you, you can't always have you can't always have your top three firing in all cinders all the time. It's just not, it's not remotely possible. I mean, I know Liverpool's the greatest, and our our front three are just have been setting records, and we're we're doing stuff that hasn't been done in Liverpool's history. And think about that with what the history is. Um, you know, that that was the surprise with it is that you when when I looked at the. When I looked at the fixture lineup, I'm going to go and okay, that's Sheffield United. That's going to be a bit, it's going to be a bad one because you just don't technically think of Sheffield United or play, the teams that come up and being anything worth worthwhile because they're just going to pack it at the back and make you grind one out. And that that could that should have been four nothing. I mean, Salah's miss was obvious. I mean, it's, I'm just I looked at that as it was going on like that's in. That's in right there, and and surprisingly, and surprisingly, it just didn't. I mean, I hope it's a one-time only deal because you you want to you want to walk the league as a Liverpool fan. You want them to walk the league for seeing how many years you get to see Man City take them apart and the and the pundits on both sides of the raindrop going losing their minds about Man City. I. I hope this is a one-time deal, and the fact that they got the three points is perfect. I think the teams coming up from the championship nowadays are a little bit more expansive. And keep in mind, Bielsa is still in the championship, and he's a far better manager than a lot that is up here. He's actually far better than what's in Arsenal. That they, This team needs to know what it's like to have to grind out a game like this because we're just going in and clocking teams. And just okay, three, four goals walk out. Just get the canter at the end of the at the end of the match and going on. And it's I hope this is a one one time deal. I really do because I want us to have City done and dusted by. Well, that's right. You guys don't really have Thanksgiving over there. Um, have have it done and dusted by Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, Stephen, I think. I think that would be that would be great all right if we could have it done just about Christmas, but unfortunately we we've, we've got a, we've got a team across the way and 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 they're they're not bad either um, and they've shown that so I suppose five points now is five points now is massive and and it was, it was one of those strange games. It reminded me of maybe like the first time we played Burnley under Klopp, where this was something that we hadn't ever really experienced before. As a as this new this new era of Liverpool, and we didn't have a previous previous experience to draw from, and there was probably less analytics than you could provide from from previous games against other clubs that you would play year in year out, and we've seen that 
that we go back and we right wrongs and, and we, we fix things and, and we improve on, on certain situations in the past. But do you think that that's a reason that we we find it as difficult as we did? Or are we just maybe going through the little phase we did last year where we weren't playing really as well as we know we can, but we were still getting the results that we needed? We're obviously focusing on Liverpool. This is a Liverpool pod, but you know you have to give credit to Sheffield United. They were compact. They were difficult to play around, and they were just not weren't giving us the space that we we normally need uh, to be able to play our quick football that we're used to seeing. So I think a lot of it was down to them. Yeah, obviously there were there was an element of us being uh, not at our level, but you know you have to give them credit for that and. It was our hardest game so far, and that's saying something because we've played Arsenal, Chelsea, and if you count City in the Community Shield, I think this is the one that was the most uncomfortable to watch. Um, that's they, fair. Yeah, I mean they they also had a good result against Chelsea a few weeks ago. I think or last month it was two two. So uh, although you know when yeah, you, I when didn't you, see that news, mm, I, 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 but I heard that the Chelsea were essentially outplayed the second half of that game. To be fair, I didn't watch it either. I mean, I've just obviously just watched, saw, saw the result and the news and stuff and things like that. So, we, we, you had an idea that they had uh, what it took to at least stifle um, big teams, and you know they did that to us. And they played the counter-attacking game, which almost paid off at times. You had Matip was brilliant at the back, I think, yesterday. So that helped. Our fullback struggled up front as well. So I mean, we had uh, you know different elements. Um, we had that one shot on target and and we scored and you've mentioned the goalkeeper having a bit of a howler and I'm not I don't feel sorry for him at all sorry Dave but <laughs> we needed that because yeah, I think just I a few seconds a few seconds before I was thinking in my mind we we're gonna either, we're gonna need a moment of magic here and it wasn't really a moment of magic it was a moment of luck I think if you're a tennis fan it would be the equivalent of a net cord um, so that's that's how. It was going to take something like a a, a thirty yard wonder goal or or something like we saw, um, but you know it was it was an ugly win and we needed we needed it. Um, but we we got and it was a really hostile ground as well. Actually, it reminded me a little bit of Selhurst Park. It was quite rowdy the crowd and um, not a nice place to go. I'm, I'm glad it's done City and out of like the way. Like City will not relish going there at all without. I don't think press. any team will. It, it did. It, it was quite in your face, wasn't it? I mean, it was. It was loud and there was a lot of booing and and you know. I mean, I mean, under that standard in most um, grounds anyway. Well, but it did. It did. It did feel they're, quite they're very much like an. Sheffield United, they're very much like an unknown quantity in that respect in the league at the minute. And we know what Selhurst Park can do, as you rightly say, and we know what like Turf Moor can do. But this is something that, you know, this, this, or the, the, the stereotypical going to, going to Stoke on a fucking rainy Tuesday night, that only yeah. became a thing after. But is, do you think that this could be like, one of those perpetuating self-fulfilling prophecies going to Bramall Lane? I mean, it could be considered one of those um, matches when you look back and you think, you know, that was that was a really important win. Obviously, you do look at the City game and that, you know, smacks of a season-defining game like it was last season. But these ones as well, I don't know, I mean, in 2013-14, obviously we didn't go on to win the league, but that Fulham win with... Um, Steven Gerrard's last-minute penalty. That at the time felt like that kind of game. Um, you know, you needed a little bit of um, 
of luck and you know it was a last minute thing and you know all the pressure and everything and I think at the time I remember thinking that might be the one but you know in the end it didn't it didn't pan out as we hoped but yeah these these kinds of games you can look back and think because to be fair it was unlucky for Sheffield they were so so good they deserved a draw really minimum a draw to be honest and they were that good um they played out their skin and I think you saw that when the when the goal went in and the way that it went in was even worse I think I'd you, you would rather it have gone in properly rather than the goalkeeper, you know, spill it like that. And I think a couple of the defenders just fell onto the floor in despair, which was quite hard to watch. It was a bit like the um, Ajax players against Tottenham in the Champions League. And then they just kind of, you know, you just have... No, no, they didn't the give up. Ums, they they got themselves up off the floor and came back at us, which was oh, they did when impressive. there was time. Yeah, so I suppose uh, you know the 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 IX game is a little bit different in that sense, but it just reminded me of that where they it was just that despair, thinking, oh my god, we've held out this long, we played so well, we've defended so well against the arguably the best team in Europe, and now something like that. I think it was the way it went in that was the hard hardest part, really. Like I said, if he'd have just if we'd have just scored a, a really good goal, that it might not have hurt so much, but. I can imagine being a Sheffield Night fan yesterday wasn't very good. wasn't very nice at all. I mean, I'm sure they expected to to maybe lose the game beforehand. But as the match was panning out, you thought, you, you know, they might actually go on and, and you know, counter-attack and win here. So it was quite devastating for them. But, you know, we needed it. You know, it was it was a tough watch yesterday's match. It was not, not, a, nice, not, not a nice game to be uh, witnessing. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And, you know, you're absolutely right. It might be one of those games where we, we look back and we look back in March after X, Y and Z have all gone to Bramall Lane and see how they fared and, and look at it and think, fuck, that was actually a really, really good result there. You know, one of those ones yeah, where you're, yeah. you're going to a newly promoted side and you think you should go there and you should turn them over. Well, much much like City did at Carra Road earlier on this year. I think they earned a lot of respect yesterday. I think the t- then teams will be really wary of them from now on. Um, they showed what they can do, so definitely um, it's positive for them as well, although the result didn't go their way. Yeah, absolutely. They can be proud of themselves, and I think there's loads they can take away from that game. Um, but as Zoom says there, Dave, isn't that the thing where the goal went in with 20 minutes to go and they were on the floor with their heads in their hands and it was almost like they knew that that was it. You know, it's almost like they knew that that was, that, that's it, that's it done now. Liverpool are 1-0 up. And I kind of felt like that as well. And a lot of that was down to down to the two centre-halves and, and particularly Matip. And we've talked about Matip loads recently. He's there on merit, Dave, I think has no, been, no, been our mantra. He's, he's absolutely there on merit, but there there comes a point where you where you start to take Virgil van Dijk a little bit for granted, you know, because he is that good. Man has been fantastic, and we probably do get targeted a little bit more down the right-hand side, but you, you just you cannot underestimate the impact that, that van Dijk has, has on that team, and there's a statistic flying around at the moment where Ariel Jules won this season in the Premier League. Van Dijk has won 43 out of 54 and Madhav has won 36 out of 41. So that's a combined 79 out of 95 Ariel Jules. And between them, they're ranked Van Dijk is first and Madhav is second overall in the division for Ariel Jules success rate. So, yes, Madhav has been absolutely 
outstanding. But Van Dijk has quietly been better than him. And there's a massive base that we take from those two centre halves. And yeah, it just goes to show now that we might not click up front. That's two games in a row you can probably point the front three and went, actually, for the first time in ages, all three of you haven't been that good. But these two guys at the back, they've seen us through it. Like, how important are they at the minute? Yeah, funny, I was watching, I forget which, I think it would be in sports or something, I was watching something on, and you know, we're talking about, we're giving Matt Hip, uh, you know, a lot of kudos, and rightly so. But, you know, they were saying about, you know, as good as Van Dijk is, you, you know, it's a partnership at the end of the day. The back, you know, the, the two centre-backs are a partnership and it's how they complement each other. It's how the, the, each other's games and how they grow together. And, you, you know, like, fuck, you can go back to, you know, the start of the United era, whenever it was Pallister and Bruce. And Pallister was a fucking great defender. Bruce was like, you know, release the Kraken on them, you know, and, and Steve Bruce would drag you down, do that, do that dirty work to allow you know, a really fucking elegant defender like Pallister to, 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 to operate. Matip and Van Dijk are completely different, Dave. There was a heat map or a touch map um, that, that I saw for, for the two of them. And, you know, the, it, it's Man, very much... have been like fucking Eden Hazard, the way he fucking danders up the pitch. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. But they were, they were talking about, you know, Van Dijk having to, to, to encroach basically into the, the, the Matip area for clearances and for touches. But that's because just what you've rightly said... This has become a marauding, uh, a marauding centre back passing. Dare I Dave. say it, Dave? And I know this is going You're, to don't say back and part. Don't say back and part. No, 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 no. But and I'm, I'm I'm stretching it a bit here, and I'm not comparing them at all. But it's a little bit handsome, like, and, and he's and got the same type of physical demeanour as Hanson. He's he's, he's not gangly built, and he's tall. Yeah. He's gangly. He's he doesn't thin, look as strong mangy. as he should be. You look at him and go, "You shouldn't be as strong as that sort of thing." You know what I mean? When we he's a see bit twiggy, Joe, isn't he? Yeah, a bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> twiggy, and, me. Yeah. and you, Dave, as well. Yeah. Uh, but see, in all seriousness, you know, month by month, as we watch him move forward he does it with much more confidence the head's much higher for me i think the most underrated part and the part doesn't get talked about dave is his range of passing and also the you know he can put the ball any direction he is a wonderful passer of the ball and also that fizz that he can the fizz that he can put onto a pass it's a, it must be a joy to play with um and then as you say you know when you see van dyke you know across there slapping him on the back patting him on the head you know what i mean van dyke's you know, we, we, t- we talked, I think, the last poll we were on about, you know, Van Dyke being perceived as slightly arrogant. And I think Birol was saying it. And even in the Netherlands, he's considered as slightly arrogant. But when, you know, there's another side to Van Dyke. When you see someone Van Dyke, like Van Dyke, you know, patting Matt Heap on the back and encouraging him that way, you, you know, you realize just, you know, how far Matt, um, Matt Heap has come. And this is a, fr- like, let's, let's, let's not beat about the bush here. Free transfer, Dave, cost zero. Um, you know, put him on the market today. What what could you what could you command for a price for this boy? And that's that's the danger, or not the danger, the difference. Um, that that a, a prolonged run in this team. He has not been injured, which has been a, a godsend for him because half of the problem we used to have with with Joel Matip was when we really needed him, he ended up crocked. But he's managed he's to. Get... Got, I think he's got bigger, and I think he's got stronger, and I think he's got more robust, and I think you not only see that in his injury or sort well his fitness record, but you can also see that in his his more aggressive style of play as well. 
And there's a belief set in there as well, David, and and all of that. Um, you know, he he believes he should be there, and and maybe that's what's driving him on. And you know, it makes him more resolute, makes him mentally stronger. You know, it's, it's a thing I know we're going to cover the barrel at some point. Is is the you know the psychology of all of this? And but Joel Matip is is at this moment in time is is the glaring candidate to look at. You know what has changed in in the last three seasons with Joel Matip because he's an absolute beast, Dave. Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And and Stephen, you know, there's there's another one who for me on 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 Saturday really really stood out, and he is an absolute beast as well. And it was Fabinho. He 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 seems to be absolutely everywhere at the minute. And you know, there's been some like wild accusations or or. Assumptions flying around recently that he's he's better than he's better than Mascherano was for Liverpool, and I'm I'm beginning to come around to it a little bit, you know. I really, really am. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's probably put by, by the young kids that are just getting into the sport or finding it kind of cool to be a Liverpool fan because it's the, it's that team right now, or they're throwing they're throwing away their Arsenal jerseys just to look cool. Uh, I, I Mascherano is one of my favorite players of all time. It just the fact that he went to Barcelona still. Ugh. Anyway, but um, Fabino is a very fun player to watch. He's one of my favorite ones to watch. Also at the international level, um, I th- I think he could end up eventually being like Mascherano, but I don't I don't like to co- I don't like to compare eras like that because it, it's a different game nowadays. Even though Mascherano is just has been out what maybe a couple years, maybe three years at the most. So I mean, I really can't really contribute to it unless if you've seen them back and forth to, together. But as far as having them for the side, I, Fab- Fabino is perfect for it. He's going to be this side's Mascherano, and there's not re- you can't really look at the team right now and go, yeah, well that has to be replaced. That has to be replaced. And Henderson's horrible. He should go back to Sunderland. It's just you look at it, the sum of the parts is good enough. Now, Lavern, eh, but we've got enough players that there. I mean, we even pick You're up being a goal very, goal. very kind there. I, I, I'm trying to be. I'm trying not to. I'm, I'm looking at it this way. I mean, we even picked up a goal, goalkeeper off the street, and he's turned into world class. So, I mean, it's it's got to be the whole setup there. I mean, my tip, yeah, what would he go for it? The transfer fees nowadays are stupid. I mean, nobody is worth what what these what they are now. And I know most of the some of the transfer fee is going going throughout all of the teams they played for the um, fees for all the agents and probably all the hangers on. But still, to get a player in for free, that's great scouting because I don't know how many people you honestly miss nowadays. With how scouting and analytics and what's what the sport has become, it's not like you can go down to the park and find a left winger that nobody's seen. That doesn't really happen anymore. No, it's funny you say that. I was I was talking to my parents earlier on, and we we're talking football, and something out table probably know better than me. But George George Best was discovered playing on just a, a just a. Scrap football pits in the middle of a council. Craigie Green, eh? <laughs> you know, 
Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The the analytics, the analytics, the the scouting networks, um, and and we, well, we, we saw we saw a 16 year old Harvey Elliott during the week come on and yeah. and announce himself as oh, delightful, you know. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll we'll see how that how that pans out. Ooms, there's there's something has been there's something after after watching that game that. I've been thinking about and I've been thinking about it. I'm not quite sure which side of the fence I fall on, so I'm hoping you can maybe help help me with it. But half an hour or half an hour to go, 60 minutes on the clock, and it's nil-nil. It's one of those games. And Klopp takes off a midfielder and he throws on a riggy. So he's got four forwards on the pitch with 30 minutes left. And bear in mind that that Sheffield had created a couple of fairly clear-cut opportunities, to say the least. Does this mark a departure from the the accusations thrown at him last season from the from the old Trafford game and the Goodison Park game, where it looked as though he had decided with thirty minutes left that a draw is a good result here, a point I will absolutely take a point here, or is it just because it was a newly promoted team? I don't know. I, I mean, I know we say sometimes that oh, he, someone's going for a draw with thirty minutes left. I just, I don't know if he really thinks that though. I no, find I don't it really hard to believe that, Omar, But that yeah. was that was that was bold. That was really bold compared to what we'd seen. I think in it's those where he games. trusts the team now. Where maybe he didn't so much. Lot. I mean, I've, we've had Van Dyke obviously for a season and a half now, but you know we've got Fabinho now as well, which also strengthens that. Defense. So, I mean, maybe he thinks that we, we you know, we, I trust my the my defense and my goalkeeper to do the job, and you know, stick on another forward to to get a result. I mean, that's that's how I would approach it. I mean, I'm not manager, but you know, I'm armchair manager. I, that's how I would see it as well. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, you're right. It's Sheffield United. You can't possibly go for a draw against a team like that. You have to. I don't think the fans would ever forgive you. Not that I think the club really gives a shit about what the fans think, but it's not a good kind of. It doesn't send the right message, I don't think, as well. If if you if you did kind of go defensive or you know, yeah. it didn't didn't make a a, a forward move uh, with thirty minutes to go when it's nil nil against a newly promoted team. So and and like I said, I think it's just the trust in players. He knows that everyone's going to do the right job. There's not going to be a howler at the other end. You know, we haven't had them as frequently as you were maybe two seasons ago um yeah so they're, they're few and far between now as well so I think it's just a, a, a matter of I, I guess again it's a, a, the, the team you're playing uh, against City would he do that if it was away maybe not I don't know if he would chuck four, four forwards on there um you know against some of the bigger teams but I mean, I did feel like a goal was coming at some point anyway and I'm sure he felt that as well so it was just a maybe a, a, a the idea that bringing someone on and now Origi when he came on did look like something was he was going to actually do something he was making some really good moves and 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 creating a little bit of trouble for the for their I defense thought so good. I thought yeah. he, I thought he really made a difference because he was just a yeah. bit more direct yes yeah so it gave the you know their defense a little something to think about as well obviously we already mentioned the goal it was a lucky goal but i it, you kind of sensed there was something in there that that could be made of it and you know it, to make a make a defensive sub or a you know a like for like sub wouldn't have put out that right message I think for the players as well so 
where it might seem a little bit strange on one hand, I think that it was, you know, in the end, it was the right move. May I interject there, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you so no, polite for? <laughs> no, we're on a podcast. I'm, I'm exceptionally polite. Um, I say that. I say that in the myself, just just as we did. No, Dave. I think what what impressed me about that sub is that Firmino was already being dragged so far back into the mid, into the midfield. His, his effectiveness uh, of where we wanted him to operate was was null and void. And I think it was genius what Klopp did because what he did was move Salah into the middle, um, moved Origi in as an extra attacker. But but since Firmino was already basically having to operate, he had no choice but to operate. That's how deep he was coming to get the ball. And also, you talk about, you know, he, he settled for a draw here there. He realised that those draws ended up costing him the league. I feel that I've, I've seen a lot Klopp do that, do that forward, for, uh, forward for a midfielder and then like, Three or four minutes after he does the midfielder for the forward substitution. Um, and it ends up balancing out. And it reminded me, the substitution reminded me a little bit of of um, Barcelona, Barcelona at Anfield last year where Robertson had to go off and he could easily have, have thrown Joe Gomez at left back. Easily done that. But he decided, no, do you know what? I'm going to put Milner at left back. You can give me more going forward, and I'm going to bring Tini on. And it was a really forward-thinking substitution. And I just, I still don't think Klopp gets enough, enough um, recognition for his his tactical awareness, and certainly the substitutions he makes and how his substitutions impact the game. And I just think that was another really good example of where he read the he read the mood and he re- he read the tempo of the game and and. And I think it really made a real difference. And it's just this maturity that comes with, with this side at the moment that you just, as we might have said earlier on, you just felt like we were somehow going to get over the line. And Stephen, there's something else I've noticed that like I've really enjoyed the last couple of games. Like when we're winning, players getting booked for time wasting with like <laughs> with like half an hour to go. And this this side. Like they have everything at the minute. They're so, and the one thing that has always been labelled with this Liverpool side is there's no snide in us. We're not cynical enough. No do you dark see arts. that? Do you see that that trait now starting to creep into this team? Oh, it, it should. I mean, when you were saying that, that when you were saying that Klopp wasn't thought of tactically, are you saying that just over there? Because here in the states. We get a lot of now. We've got. I get different coverage than you guys do. I mean, obviously, I do get to see some of your broadcasts over here because American networks are kind of lazy in what they bring over for the sport. But Klopp is loved over here as far as the tactical wise because again, he's German. So as American says, if it's if it's German, that definitely knows more than we do as far as the sport is. And I, I could hear Dave in my head just laughing about MLS and all of that. But anyway. The thing here, Stephen, is that Klopp, because he's such a big personality, people people tend to focus on that a lot more. Yeah, and I mean, I see that. But I, I, I could see that with where you guys are bringing in kind of the names that have take Brian Clough out of there because he was a big personality for what, all the way back to when he was playing days with Sunderland. And, um, 
But co- he was the only oh. personality back then, Stephen. That was the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Revy didn't have a personality, and we and I don't think I don't think Alex Ferguson has ever had a personality or a coherent thought. But that's that's in between here and there. But Klopp and I, I think they need some some, some of that snideness here with with the side because it, you can have all the glitz and you can have all the glory, but. The, that eventually falls apart because you're seeing that with Man City right now because we're, what, four years into Man City's with Pep? And that usually is when he start his he starts buckling. So to, to be able to have that backbone, to have that snideness to time waste is kind of what the EPL and what the UK has had for years is that you need that backbone there. I mean, yeah, you can blitz the team, have the gang impressing and all that, and it's fun to watch. But what happens when you cut up against a Sheffield United that plays decently, but their starting 11 isn't even going to be is going to be worse than our U23s or even probably some of the probably worse than Herbie Kane. So you have to adapt a bit. And I, that's kind of the thing I like about Klopp is that even though he's keeping a lot of his tactical stuff here when he came over, he's kind of adapted a bit. And it's not, well, I do this better because I won at Dortmund. Let's, well, let's have some fun here. Let's, let, let's shock the system a bit. And the fact that he, Klopp, has fun in the press conferences because those player press conferences and those early press conferences are the most useless things that have ever been in sports in any of them. I do not need to know what each team is thinking about, but Klopp has fun. You see, he just screws with people on in those things, and he's having fun with the commentators. He's having fun when they come off the field. Because I, I have a feeling about Klopp is he's looking at this going, this is fun for me too. So I'm going to do the stuff that's going to get, get it, get it going because Klopp's not that old of a man. We could have him for 10 years at the most. And he could, he could retire as the next great. Well, we've got a handful of great managers with us. So. You're absolutely right, Stephen. And, um, it's, it's, it's what he, it's what he brings to the, the squad, the, the team ethos, but what we what we saw, like I thought, I don't know what anybody else thought, but I thought Robertson's first half performance was absolutely brutal. It's the worst I've ever seen him play. Out of um, sorts would have been a compliment, Dave. <laughs> I thought that he was he was better in the second half, but I thought he was generally pretty fucking grim. Trent wasn't bar a couple of really lovely crossfield balls um, to switch the play. Wasn't really influential and was exposed a little bit down the, down the left-hand side um, or their left-hand side. But, you know, you're talking, that's that's all five of our attacking players pretty much either nullified, having an off day or a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B or whatever. But we still win the game. We still win the game. And... I don't know about you, but I think this is going. I think this year this is going to be the difference. That when we have like that was a proper off day with all of our like our our best players were our two centre halves and Fabinho, you know, 
and we come away with a 1-0 win. Oh, yeah, we had days like that, I remember, last season as, though, as well. Obviously, in 17-18, um, we had, uh, you know, where we were amazing up front, but then we were leaking goals. And then you had last season where it was it was more the defence that were winning us games. You know, obviously, the, 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 the forwards were still good, but they were having off days. And I think the similar thing at the moment, you know, we're a bit on it one day and not so great the next. So there's... There's still that element that the defence is is going to be key in this whole thing, but I think that's that's uh, standard in, in any title race. Obviously, clean sheets are are really important. Not that we've had many, but you know we've still been winning, so that that's been fine. But um, yeah, you're right. The it, it is really important for um, the defence to just you know keep everything ticking along at the back, so that if the forwards aren't having such a great run at a time then at least we're not going to lose a match you know minimum will draw it so that's that's really important I think it's just that that mentality as well that they know that they can they can grind out the wins um we had you know we we were a little bit like that last season as well I think it's not something that's come maybe just now uh where we've had um difficult matches that we have gotten over the line on but it doesn't. You're not as scared anymore as a Liverpool fan. I think now what it is is you're you're a little bit calmer when you're watching when you're winning matches one nil, or it's you know, trust, it's, isn't it? It's yeah, and it's a so strange feeling. I don't know if I'm still quite used to it, but it, you, you know, I can't remember. I like game. it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, it's brilliant. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I'm, embra- I'm embracing it. It's brilliant. Um, but it's just it's weird sometimes. You know, you're winning two one, and you're you're not. You're not crapping your pants at the end of the game. Well, you think, hang on, this that, isn't normal. Did that game not make you regress a little bit? Because there was a, there was a stage I was, it, I was, I was just yeah. like, oh, fuck, if this doesn't happen today. And, you, you know, like you're thinking about your five points bloody clear and and you're thinking about the ramifications of a draw. It's it's nuts, like... Yeah, I was, I was going to say this was the first match in a long time where I thought, mm, you know, we might not do it here. But it wasn't anything that was... Terrible. I mean, if if we'd have drawn that match, oh yeah, it wouldn't have been a great result. It wouldn't have been the end of the world either. Sheffield United did play really well and they did deserve a draw. Um, it just would have been one of those really horrible away days that, you know, we just couldn't get over the line on. But we did in the end, so it was fine. But it it was one, it, I did feel a little bit, well, it was it was like we've already mentioned it was uncomfortable to watch and it was one of those ones where you thought you know maybe it's not going to happen today but you know they proved us wrong again and this is what they're doing again time and again now um and we well we said it lots last season but we weren't this good this early on so we're hoping that you know this is this is the time now this is what's going to be the difference so hopefully by the time we get to to play City we'll have you know we'll have gotten a the long, long run of wins under our belt, and maybe that that game won't be the season-defining game it was last last time round. Well, that, it is, but in a different way. Yeah, in a different way. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> now, what I mean is, in say for example, it, that we're quite a few points ahead. God forbid, even if we lose, maybe it won't be that bad. But hopefully, like I said, I mean, they, they City don't seem the same. They're not firing like they were last last time around and you know like I said we keep saying last season last season we lost by a point with the most a record number of points it was an anomaly last season I don't even know if you can really count it really counts in anything it's just one of those stupid I mean we say that someone I think Dave mentioned that the draws maybe 
were the the games that Klopp thought well, that's where we lost the league. But yeah, but you got 97 points and you lost one match. Yeah, okay, you had a couple of draws, but it still should have been enough. It should have been more than enough. So I, I don't know. Last season, I don't know if even want to count it. It was just a weird, odd one out. Um, and it, you know, I don't know. It, like I said, I mean, I know that we, we lost it in the end, and but I really don't think you can say that we we lost it. They won it. <laughs> That's how it is to me. I don't think we did much wrong. Yeah, we had some draws, but it really, like I said, still should have been enough, more than enough. Ohms, what we need to do is we need to go and win this league this season to cure us of of, of that hangover of last season because. You know, you're struggling to explain it, and there is no explanation. The, the truth is, there is no explanation for it. Mm. We needed to, to rid ourselves of it, and the best way to do that is to win the title this year. Mm. I mean, the Champions League helped no end because yeah. if we hadn't have won that, it would have been a terrible end. It would be, I don't think we'd have gotten over it. That helped to lift the mood so, so much. But yeah, you're right. It's, we're going to, you know, hopefully we can win it this time round. But. I think I think that the point that the point that you're making here and and Dave you've, you've touched on it there that this team reacts better to defeat and disappointment than any team or any individual that I've seen where when we when we fail or when we slip or when we don't achieve the final goal the next time we have a chance to do it Fuck, we go out and we do it. And you, there's a number of examples, a number of examples over Klopp's era that that has seen us do that. And the Champions League final is the case in point, you know. We said next year, we're, and he, he said before the Barcelona game, next year that, you know, we couldn't leave it. We couldn't leave it like this. We couldn't leave it like this. Next year, we were going to go back and we were going to win it. And they fucking did go and win it. And do you not think that that... That almost that never mind winning the Champions League, but the fact that we we lost the final the year before and then went and won it is even more important in trying to achieve what we ultimately all want to achieve is win the league title this year, particularly after the way last year finished. Yeah, I think you're sort of nail on head there. Every disappointment is is a catalyst, a springboard for for the next season, and for that reason, I, I'm. I shouldn't be confident after seven games, um, especially not with, with Manchester City, with, with the state of Manchester City and, and, and the resources that they have. But I am confident this season. I, I think it's our year. You know, and a game like that at the weekend only reinforces that thought. It only um, reinforces that belief that, that finally it is that our time. And, and I'm not just thinking of one league win here. I'm thinking about our time. Cascade but do you have a point here? Because this, this team... This team has just won sixteen games in a row in the league, and that is. Do you feel in, that, that? Do you feel that that coming up towards you know, we're two away from the record, basically? And I, for for whatever reason, I don't believe that that's even in their thought process at the moment. Um, just because well, I don't think it is. It's the next game and the next game yeah, and the next yeah, game. Yeah, because, and the goal because is of the, the end experience of, the of last season. You know, if it was City homing in on it, you would think that Pep would want that. That's another record for Pep. Right now, we have still to win the league. That's the big fish to fry. And I don't think, you know, I saw a couple of pundits go, they could start to play in their mind when they get up to 17 and blah, blah, blah. I don't think oh, it does but because it's it's not the it, primary been objective. Been there, uh, it's not the primary objective of this season to win 18 in a row. You know what I mean? The primary objective is to win the league. That's that was a nice stat if it comes along, but it's nothing more than that than a stat. 
and I think it'll be treated as such. And, and, and the stat's yeah. pointless if you don't win it as well. Exactly. You know, so. Those sorts of wins are what leagues are made of, and and we've we've also talked about how Manchester City now are fragile after the Everton game, and why aren't Liverpool talked about as title favourites? Manchester City beat a team 8-0 in the Premier League a week ago. 8-0. That doesn't happen. That's not normal. So Neither, neither is Watford. Well, well that, that is true. But no, no matter how... Like, I've seen loads worse teams, loads worse teams than Watford in the Premier League, and none of those have been beaten 8-0 ever. But it, it goes to show that this this sports, David, and, 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 and I'm interested to get your take on this, where a lot of American sports and can be boiled down a lot to numbers, but there's something just a bit more intangible about, about football. The, there's a, a more unpredictability about it. Well, yeah, that's, that's, and that's the thing that you see a lot of people of my generation, I and I just turned 40, that are going towards the, towards the European and South American football type of stuff is that the unpredictability of it. And that you could watch one, you could watch one match, like just take, for example, um, Sevilla versus Betis. That could be a 1-1. And then you could go turn around, because here in America, I have it different than you guys all do. And I don't know about you, Dave, down in, in Brazil, if you have the same type of me like I do, where my access to the sport. I can literally watch, a, I can literally watch during the day a game in every league. And I do mean every league. I've watched something in Belgium. I don't know why. I'm, I'm a nut at that point is that that's why the Americans are gravitating towards it, why the second wave of excite, exciting soccer, or you guys coming over and seeing that, is, and that's why Liverpool has gotten so much bigger here in the States, is that since Klopp has come in, is that it's fun to watch. You don't have any real jerks in the team. You don't have Orion Giggs. You don't have the waste of space that is John Terry. You don't have the guy that still scares people in Vinnie Jones. You have a lot of players that it's exciting to watch. And you can go see Man City clock Watford in there, and there will be the direct link to New York City because they have that farm team here. Dave Carrick can speak to this. I am more geared towards the history of the sport than I am nowadays. But it is more pure. To a point, you, we can all argue and look at this with the interactions we've had with EPL teams is that there are some teams that just straight up don't care. There are teams all across Europe that don't care about their fans. If, if you're not putting something in, you don't care. And I don't get that with Liverpool because I know they've come over here to the States. They've gone to Toronto. They've gone to Boston. They've gone to New York City. and actually. Actually had the meet in Greece with people. The idiotic debates about how Messi and Ronaldo are the best, or you have people nowadays that don't know of the original Ronaldo, the Brazilian one, or that they don't know about Giorgio Chinalia, they don't know about George Best outside of being a fall down drunk or something, some else like that. 
the sport is so pure that you can watch it. And you can literally, for me, the first match in the morning is a 7 a.m. game for me because I'm on the West, on the East Coast. My friend Matt, who does a Southampton pod, he's up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch the games. That We can get all of our watching in of, of sport before 4 o'clock. That's kind of why it, it took off here. It's something that you don't necessarily consider that people are getting up at ridiculous times in the morning to, to the, follow the Liverpool. And... Can, I, can I jump in? Like, for example, our game yesterday was a half-eight kickoff for me in the morning. So half ten, I can go to the beach, go do whatever I want. You know, whereas, you know, fr- from, from a perspective all of my life, the three o'clock kick- kickoffs or, you know, five o'clock or twelve o'clock, it, it, you know, impacted on, on, on a major part of the day. You see this half-eight in the morning, boom, done by half ten, out the door. It, it's, it's awesome. Oh, gosh, yes. I love every minute of that. That's the only reason why I would move back to the middle of the country. Well, I'm going to move back eventually. is because you get the games all a lot sooner. 10, 15 years ago, I was getting the Manchester United or Arsenal game of the month. Or the Barcelona game of the month. And I would not have known of you guys 10, 15 years ago. At all. Nowadays, you could see everything regardless. I mean, I could see every game and replay them three or four times. But don't you guys go to work, like, on the weekdays? How do you do all this TV watching if there's weekday games? I am internet-based, so I can pull things up online and either watch it, stream it. Hopefully your employers aren't fans of this podcast or you can be in your fourth job this year. Oh, they all know. Oh, oh, Dave, they all know. I mean, I, I, you have talked to me outside of here. You know why I'm a little bit more dense as far as the, when it comes to the sport as it is. Okay, so we do we get off with all the fucking reservation there? Um, for, for want of a better term. Um, so we'll, we'll We're not in the wilderness, before. Dave. <laughs> Lead yeah, us out yeah. to the wilderness. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's very clear it's time to go. So... Um, Thanks to my guests, Dave Carmack, Brazil. Thanks, Dave. You're very welcome. Yes. Um, Imar and Az, Ooms, over in London. A pleasure. Yep. Talk to you next Stop season. Don't be so sarcastic, you know. Don't <laughs> be <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, 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 well, I'm, all right, book fine. Book me in for you after the United game, then go on. All right, booked after the United game. Okay. It's, a, it's a date. Okay. All right. And, uh, Stephen Francis, Buffalo, New York. Um, Stephen, um, have you anything else going on over your over stateside? Oh, I got way too much stateside. Um, I'm d- I, I have my Wednesday. Po- I have my Wednesday pod, the subs bench. We're going to talk. Un- unlike what Dave thinks, MLS. We're going to talk Hertha Berlin this week. So and it's going to be the second European team I've talked about. So. Anyway, you can find me online. I'm sure you guys have all followed me, at least someone. And most of Liverpool fans have either looked at my what pod, looked at my pod, or looked at my Twitter and gone, "Oh, not that guy again." So anyway, <laughs> okay, great. I'm working to find you, Stephen. It's um, Stephen S T E P H E N C Brandt on Twitter, and that's really about the only place you'll want to get a hold of me on. So. Okay, that's us for this week. Up the record breaking five points, Reds. 